Welcome to Remedy Stories, a podcast brought to you by Remedy Church in Waxahachie, Texas. Each episode, we sit down to have an intentional conversation with the different people who make up our local church body. Our hope and desire is for God's glory to be shown through the sharing of each of their unique stories. It's our prayer that you are encouraged and edified through this podcast. If you'd like to know more about Remedy Church, visit us on the web at remedy-church.com. Your family moved recently to Arkansas. Yeah. So could you speak to that? Like, what's that been like for you? Is it, is it weird? Is it, has it been difficult? Um, you know, how has that sort of maybe redefined you as, you know, now you're really uh, kind of at, at a distance from your family? Yeah, I think Andrew and I were talking about this when we had a, no one else showed up to the guy's Bible study, so he and I <laughs> ended up talking about some of this. Redefined is a good word because, you know, it's been good. It's been good. Like, I feel like everyone benefits in a lot of ways from being out and being, you know. But for me, that distance, the geographical distance, I just did not realize how much of your life is defined by your family and just how much identity you draw from it. Mm-hmm. Um, even in just the stuff you do day day in, day out, the things that my family were involved in or the hobbies they had that, okay. you know, things are still true about me that were true then, but like exactly how they get exercised. I mean, even what we were joking about way back at the beginning of this about hunting and fishing, mm-hmm. I mean, some of that has definitely changed. Like I feel like I'm more, what do I need to do today to, you know, just be a responsible, <laughs> take care of the business that I need to do today. But yeah, it's been good. It has been challenging. I, I would definitely say it's been challenging. Obviously, I miss my family a lot, especially at first. Yeah. Still, obviously, do. But I mean, at the beginning, I was definitely, I'm like almost homesick. But I'm where we always were. <laughs> they, they moved, so it's kind of like the reverse of the typical college experience. Usually, the college student moves, in the you kind of come home. To what was always your home growing up but that's kind of a different dynamic for me but I think I do think it'd be easy to sit here and say like some of those things were challenging but I will say it has made me love and appreciate who my family is more because the distance almost makes me see their character and who they are yeah. I I don't remember who I was telling this to the other day but like I feel like Every almost every day, every week now, kind of just being in the world by myself or just moving throughout life, I'm like, man, I admire my dad and my mom. Like, I wish there was more. I kind of have these interactions with people that are, you know, not pleasant interactions. And I'm <laughs> like, man, I wish more people were had the the standards or the character qualities that my parents have or at mm-hmm. least... I don't know the interactions I have. I was telling a good friend of mine this recently. I was like, the more interaction I have with like particularly men, I'm like, I start to look at some of the things that my dad is, was, and is. I'm like, that's I want to I want to be like that, and mm-hmm. I wish more yeah. other other men that I kind of find myself like when I'm out in the world surrounded by. I'm like this is, I don't know. You you just take some of those things for granted when you're living in the house or they're around all the time. And then some of that's just growing up, just getting out in the world more and (laughs) starting to look back on who your parents were. But it's true though. I think get that perspective. Like you, you don't often gain because I feel like a hundred percent the same way. Didn't love my parents, good relationship, you know, with with my parents uh but the perspective of oh wow I, I really did have it good or oh man i really love and appreciate this about my parents it didn't come until after i moved out which i'm sure is infuriating to my parents who you know wanted me to realize that my whole life and uh and and you don't until but that's just you know that's part of it i think one of the things that's that can be awkward about it is you know i just remember when you live together, 
everybody knows everything about everybody in the family. Like you, your ins and outs of daily life and your likes and dislikes and habits and all these things. And then you spend time apart and away from each other. And then, you know, you come back and, and you know, you're like, oh, I've really been getting into this lately or whatever. And they're like, oh, interesting. You know, like yeah. it's almost foreign, you know, and, and in the same way, like they're your family, so it's not going to be as drastic, but there's still that element of, you know, like a friend that you haven't seen in years. And it's almost like now you're catching up, you know, like I have, I remember times I'd be gone at college for a semester and didn't see my parents for three and a half months or whatever it is. And then having to come home and like catch up with my family. I was like, what is this? This is, this is strange. Yeah. Well, like Andrew and I were talking, I think, cause Andrew had mentioned something about like the way my dad really, cause this is something recently that I've really come to like see that I don't, I really don't know that I saw this growing up. I'm like, I remember you saying that something about like you had this conversation with my dad that you're like, man, this, this man really loves his wife and his family. Yeah. And I, I feel like I'm seeing this, that part of who my dad was. Like, I won't say the specific things that were, I noticed were different about my dad and the way he interacted with my mom. But like recently I've seen some of those things and how they're different in other relationships, whether it's just like how men talk about their wives when they're not around. Yeah. Oh yeah. That for me, I looking back on my dad and the way he talked, he, or maybe a better way of saying did not talk about mm -hmm. my mom when she yeah. was not around. I'm looking at that now and I'm like, that's a big, that's a big deal. And I really admire that. So yeah, I just remembered that. That's a huge thing. Yeah. I mean, I think Chad and I've been married for a little, you know, a few years and being around other men who, you know, how do they talk about their wives when they're not around? You know, that says a lot right there for sure. And, uh, but, but like you said, I, I noticed that about, you know, with your dad, with Shelby talking to him, you know, I remember one time we had lunch and, oh, we were just, you know, just sharing things, but I, I definitely noticed how much he just loves your mom, loves Casey and, uh, speaks very highly of her and wants to be around her and he loves his family and, uh, yeah, I, that's always been like an attribute thing that I've, that I have respected greatly about him, you know, and, uh, it, it wasn't a prompted question. He just like, we're talking about something and it's just, it's just overflowing. And, uh, that's a really cool thing to see. But, but like you said, you know, so you're kind of observing other men and the world and, you know, it's like, and, uh, even immature believers, you know, that, don't act like that and don't speak like that about their spouse or, you know, about, uh, their family and everything. And yeah. Well, speaking of that and the way that we interact with the women in our lives, you are, uh, you are, are currently a dating man. Is that correct? Is that, are we, are yeah. we allowed to use that term? Is that the term yeah, you use? Yeah, okay. Definitely, yeah. My wife and I courted, so that's, that's a thing. And that's that's a whole nother that's another cup of coffee right there. <laughs> yeah, Jack. But uh, so but it's uh, you know if I guess if you don't mind, um, I think you're I don't I don't want to phrase this correctly, but um, I would I would say it's definitely fair to say that you are viewed and seen as someone who is pretty wise for your age. I, I mean, I've always thought that I've always seen you as somebody who just, um, is very thoughtful, respectful, but also, um, yeah, I, th I think that's, that's fair to say. So, um, I haven't talked to you in depth about, you know, the topic of dating and, and things like that, but, um, I'd be interested just to hear kind of your thoughts, your approach to, you know, the realm of relationships and maybe whether that's what your parents taught you or, uh, you know, how you've approached it in your own life and, and what is it, what does it mean to you? What are the, what, maybe what's the purpose, like, you know, behind it? What is it? What is maybe not the goal is the right word, but you know what I mean? So, yeah. 
yeah i mean i i would say like i don't i don't know anything about all things dating marriage i mean i think i've been fortunate to be through remedy exposed to like some conversations that most young people don't get to be exposed to i'm real like that's a big i'm very thankful that i've gotten to sit in rooms with really hard things i'm really thankful to the the particularly the men that were going through those things to like be vulnerable when i was in the room because yeah. i feel like there's a lot of young people that never get to hear some of those hard things and then like yeah. if they ever get there in their own life or marriage they're like i can see how you might assume that like man no one else like this is well bad. I, let's put this out there too because and, and i hope i hope plenty of people can listen to this and especially you know i don't know what our listenership is and in, in our teen demographic and college <laughs> demographic but you know maybe we'll we'll promote this heavily um but i think that's it's uh man like i think back to premarital counseling from for myself and it was i feel like there was this this thing this question was like how do you know when you're ready for marriage well i came to the conclusion that nobody is right not that you don't prepare for marriage but no one just hits this point where you're just like, ding, okay, now I'm ready. That's just, that's just not reality. That's not life. And so um, I think it's, you know, you say you don't know anything about it. That's okay. But I think the, you know, you made mention of being grateful to be around other men who are an example. That's just it. Like, what is our exposure to godly examples of a of a husband and wife relationship, right? How does, how does any teenager or kid who's thinking about relationships formulate these ideas of what this means to be in a relationship with the opposite sex? Well, it's probably going to be by the example that they've seen, mm -hmm. whether that's by their own yeah. parents, by, you know, relationships and their peers or whatever. So, you know, praise God that you had a good example. Um, and, and that's okay that I, nobody expects you to have all the answers, but yeah, uh, yeah, continue. Sorry. No, yeah. I mean, I, some of the things with like me saying earlier about growing up, always needing to kind of see sense a purpose in things played into me, just never engaging in dating in high school at all. I just didn't, it's not that I didn't necessarily want to, it was just that I, I knew I wasn't gonna, there was nobody that I was going to marry and I wasn't ready to be married, so I wasn't going to date anybody. Um, and I mean, I'm not saying, and I did date briefly for one period in high school, but I think even then, I mean, I do think I, I had a lapse in judgment there. I wasn't being totally honest with the fact that I knew I wasn't ready to be married at that point, but I just didn't think much about why or how or I just didn't think much about that until more recently, but I think that comes back again to the example of my dad. And like, as I found myself with like, man, I do desire, you know, marriage and family. I do desire those things. So if I'm going to desire those, then I need to engage in dating. That probably means pursuing, mm -hmm. which but as I kind of walked into that, I mean, again, I start to look back at my dad and I start to look at some other, the men around me, particularly at Remedy, that, I don't know, I always looked around me and I saw, and I actually want to make a distinction here. I am talking about like believing believers, profess, professing believers engaging in dating that mm -hmm. I was just kind of disappointed in the immaturity or just how whether it comes to like gentleness with our sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was just things that I was like, this is not, I mean, my dad, you know, he's a big guy. He might look kind of intimidating, but I mean, he was always gentle with mm -hmm. my mom. He, I never felt like he was not saying that they didn't ever butt heads, of course, but they always got the impression that my dad was very gentle with her. And, 
I don't know. There was things about that that just as I've found that I do want to date, I do want to date a particular person, you know, as I kind of found myself in that kind of relationship, all of a sudden, all these thoughts about how, why Mm -hmm. started to matter that I had just never thought about. Um, I don't know. I do think one of the things that I've basically, and this, this goes to me to be to my fault. Sometimes I overthink every little thing for sure, but I did, I have found myself thinking about everything I say, every, like down to the things that I tell someone to, you know, even if it's like, you know, some people might say like, well, dating people, they just, they do, they hold hands or whatever. Mm-hmm. To me, I always was like, but what does that mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, yeah. I want to think more about, I'm not just going to do things because that's what people do. Like, these different things send different kind of messages and that's led to me making decisions even in where I am now that I think I've talked to this person that I'm with that we agree on that I feel like has been super healthy yeah. like just different things that maybe other people wouldn't necessarily agree on that just thinking through why and Really, I guess the principle behind all that, I've said this to a couple of my friends my age now. I'm like, I we we all agree that Christian believers should be the example of godly behavior in the world, whether that's in the workplace or if that's... Yeah, absolutely. You know, whatever, whatever, however, how we handle our money, how mm-hmm. we do yeah. anything. To me, that applies 100% to how we date and how we treat people of the opposite sex. I mean, that's like what Chad was saying. That's, I feel like we should be the, not that we're not sinful and don't make mistakes and don't mess those things up. And, and there's grace and redemption in those things too. But yeah, I've, I I don't know anything about all of that. And I've said that a number of times to, <laughs> A number of people, but I have. It has been a good thing to think about mm-hmm. why, and also just kind of wrestling with some of my perspectives that I did hold before about singleness that I still think are are true. Um, just about making use of your singleness for sure. I don't. I think I maybe got to a point where I was probably. I know. I admit now that I think I was prideful in some of some of my like tight hold on singleness and more people should be yeah. <laughs> single yeah. and this kind of stuff. Um, but I do, I do think that's like teenagers and college students. I do wish some of us would have some of my peers and I'm not saying I did this well either, but just using the time that we are single to serve the Lord yeah. instead of maybe just like, I got to get married. So I got to date someone. And if yeah. I get out of one thing, I'm going to jump to the next. It's tough, man. That's a, such a tough like stage in life, you know. Like we can look back, Andrew and I, and you know, married folks can look back on that time and be like, "Man, I wish I would have done X, Y, and Z with that time," yeah. you know, because now we have the perspective of, "Man, time is so valuable." Um, but when you're in those shoes, it's like, yeah, you want to have somebody, you want to be with somebody, you want to have, you know, you feel affection for somebody, and. You know, you see everybody else around you doing it, and it's just that the peer pressure is a real thing. And and uh, yeah, and I, and I asked that question just because I, I think, again, to be encouraged, I think you are somebody that that uh, is highly respected, you know, regardless of age. But I think especially because of just where you're at and where the Lord has you, and, and your wisdom at at a young age, and um, and so I think people respect what you have to say, and I think it's it's really it's it's a you know it's a really good thing to be in a position where you're where you're uh pursuing a relationship and doing so with great thought and prayer it's just a rare thing like it's just you know it's so easy to go with the flow and just do what everybody else is doing and and i think that's such a a crucial and yeah i will just because you mentioned prayer that is one thing that i know has been I didn't know that before, but I do know 
it's been a big thing that like, cause it, it gives me great confidence in like, am I being obedient to the Lord in this relationship? Because from before any of that started, like when I was maybe going to ask this girl out, like I actually, you know, I prayed about mm-hmm. that. I prayed every day, you know, should I do this again? Like I enjoyed that. Should I, you know, I don't know Yeah, that kind of maybe in some of the middle periods where you're really trying to like, is this, you know, is this something that is from the Lord? Like mm-hmm. I can look back now, like I, it has put me in a place now of great confidence of like, it's not like I've been ignoring the Lord's guiding in this process. If ever since the beginning I've been seeking, like, you know, I'm not trying to say that God would necessarily just like drop a, like, nope, actually just kidding. But (laughs) I mean, it has made me feel like a great piece of like, I don't know whatever the Lord is doing, but I've been praying through this whole thing and I don't know. It gives a great sense of confidence in like I am still being obedient. I'm not, because I think you can potentially pursue a relationship, you know, that you shouldn't or put, you know, that before the Lord in certain regards. But I feel like if the the prayer through it has put me in a place of a lot more confidence, I don't know. I don't know if that's, you can test that by your guys. No, but I, I, yeah, not to say that, you know, right or wrong or whatever, obviously praying about it is the right thing. But I mean, again, I would just say that I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily the, the you would, we would hope so for, for professing believers, even if you are, you know, in a high school or college or whatever to pray about these things. But oftentimes I, you know, if we're honest, I don't, probably doesn't happen as much as we might want to or hope just because relationships are just, it's so easy to, to think, you know, from, from the flesh perspective, you know what I mean? And not take time and just like be very intentional with it. It's, it's Sure. Well, yeah, that's your, you're definitely right with that. I do think our church family has been really significant even in the past year of like, maybe I think the response to what you're saying is the community affirmation of those kind of because I think from well actually yeah super early on Brian and Gina were a part of all of that like we're in the conversation and actually like going with with you yeah with okay yeah with her to people's houses I mean Mm. being in people's houses being a part of our church family I feel like that's I don't know if that's what you're getting at there I feel like that's a part of maybe preventing some of the oh yeah for sure like having that kind of wisdom and even from you know because i mean again how many teenagers are really like hey mom hey dad i really want your opinion on whether i should date this person (laughs) right i mean it just happens it's like oh here's my girlfriend you know like there's not there's no process there's no uh approval there's no you know like you're talking about adults parents being in each other's homes like no one does that that's not the standard anymore and so that's you know again like is it the way that it should be done i think so i yeah. think i think that the whole process should be not i'm not like making an argument for arranged marriages or anything like that but like i mean with being a father with three daughters I, i'm i'm you're on that of, train I'm kind of good with that <laughs> right. okay you heard it here um <laughs> But no, like uh, that's one thing I do like, and Katrina and I's experience was was kind of ex- almost extreme on that end, um, where her and I didn't have a whole lot of say in much at all, um, and so I wouldn't advocate for that far either. But I'm very grateful that through the sort of courting dating process, we had our families involved, and in, you know. It wasn't, there was, there wasn't a lot of room for us to like be alone and, you know, stuff like that. It was, it was very family oriented. And I think that's incredibly wise. I I, I needed it too, because we've already talked about my parents moving to Arkansas. I mean, that was, I think that's also a big part of that too, for me, because I just, obviously they're still a part of that, but they're not 
present in this town. So the day in, day out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I think it's, I mean, we talk about like we live in community with one another and like with our church and all things. And so why would a dating relationship not be in that context just as much? And so like we involve like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about dating this person, you know, for, as a single, you know, and uh, want, want to introduce you to them, you know, and everything. And I know that can be kind of intimidating to some people, but there's this level of like, this is my family, you know, and like you said, so like your literal family has moved to another state. Um, and so y'all are in different states and, um, but just to involve other people that you trust and you can like get to know them because I mean, sometimes we're blind to, uh, things that's just the reality Especially of it. when emotions get involved absolutely you know and it's like what do you think about this person and then mm -hmm. someone else is like nope my <laughs> you know? listen my when i my first dating relationship i was 17 we dated for 11 months and i thought she was the one you know all this stuff and my mom and my oldest brother he's 10 years older than me both of them and they were they didn't say anything bad about her um but they very honestly were like a, we're concerned about how like obsessive you're kind of becoming, um, and B, we're just we just don't know if she's the right person for you. Like very frank, hmm. and I didn't I didn't want nothing to do with it, you know. Um, but you know I can look back on that and be like, wow, like they they cared and loved about me enough not to just be like, oh yeah, he's just gonna do what he's gonna do. Yeah, you know they took the time to like say that, and that couldn't have been easy. Um, and, you know, I wish I would have listened more then, but, you know, I think that just, you have to have those people in your life uh, who are able to see things from a more maybe neutral, so to speak, perspective and not who aren't as emotionally involved or attached to, to be able to look at it and be like, hey, bro, like, have you thought about this or, you know, so. Yeah, that's good. Um, What do you... I guess as, as um, I don't know, somebody who's recently out of high school, in college, kind of coming, I guess coming close now to the end of college, when you look at your generation, and we've talked a little bit about dating and um, and stuff, but if, if you look at your generation, like what's the what one thing, and it can be more than one thing, but what's something that comes to mind that you're concerned about? with your generation something that you know that i don't know scares you or like i said concerns you or you you know could be anything but what's something that comes to mind i don't know the social anxiety that exists within my generation that i don't know it definitely i mean it isolates people and separates people divides people i mean that's just the culture that's just the culture i've grown up in i mean i don't want to be i know i'm kind of an old soul so i feel like <laughs> i don't want to be the one that's like it's this social media and these phones and stuff because that's not 100 percent the cause of it i mean mm -hmm. i think there's also larger cultural tides of just even the way that the family dynamic has Mm -hmm. morphed over even just the past 100 years I think is also a part of that I mean you maybe wouldn't have I feel like the the social media the whatever the digital stuff is the how my generation distracts themselves and isolates themselves but the way Specific, I mean, I guess I'm mostly speaking to America because it's where, I, where I'm at, where mm. I grew up. I don't know if this is true across the board, but some of the way that the household has become structured that's that we think is the norm has been the norm for a long time. Is it's not really the the case. I mean, the whatever you know, whatever a hundred years ago, people living on farms mm -hmm. operated differently sure. mom and dad were closer to home you know i think some of the ways we've 
seen that change in the recent years. Like I don't, some of the things don't necessarily surprise me when you consider the way that the the whole dynamic of the the home has changed and mom and yeah. dad are out more. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, you can't just blame social media and those things. They they are a part of how that affects the day in day out life of but to speak to like the local church like that's what i think like we can't share it we can't communicate the gospel and live in gospel community if we don't like interact with one another and yeah i'm worried yeah it worries me about like the local church this whole podcast is like kind of based on the idea that the local church is significant that face-to-face yeah. conversations are are powerful i mean not saying that media isn't a powerful medium mm-hmm. too this is this what we're doing is a sure. medium of yeah. that's powerful but yeah i mean i just within remedy especially how relational everyone is like i wish that more of my generation would see the value of relational living because I believe that it's a gospel value. I mean, I just, I don't really know how we can commute, even really communicate the gospel to people who are lost if we're not like, you know what I mean? Somehow socially connected. I'm, I'm challenged by that. Yep. I know that that's going to be a dynamic of my life and the way that I, the rest of my life, I feel like that's going to be how I, the world I kind of have to f- figure out how to interact with. Yeah. I don't know. I feel, I mean, I, I struggle with some of the similar things because I, I, I don't know if old, I don't know if people describe me as an old soul necessarily, but you know, like I've been off social media for years now. Um, and I, you know, generally have a have a general disdain for it and a desire for it not to exist, by <laughs> and large. Um, but you know, that thought is still there. Of like, okay, um, I, like I have, I've got good friends at Remedy that I've talked to about this that disagree with me and say, no, like it's not a bad thing. We just need to use it more effectively. Um, I part of me hopes they're wrong and like. <laughs> that we can but then the you know the other side of the struggle is like okay if this is indeed the way that it's going to be for ever for the future how do we how what is it was it chuck colson there how how now shall we live right like what how, how do we deal with it how do we you know be faithful how do we connect like you said with with people and um so yeah that's interesting because go ahead well I was just going to say, like, because I feel like it's really my response. It it might stand to reason this is all of our responses, but the reason I'm voicing my, like, concern for my generation in the isolation aspect mm-hmm. is because my greatest concern is that I my generation is increasingly lost more than y'all's generation even. I mean, and it's compounding, and I think even just some uh, some stories that I've heard recently of like the isolation and the just the, I don't know the way the culture is, is isolating people. I mean, to me, it reeks of Satan's like schemes. Like that's there's, I feel it because I feel like I, I know what it feels like. And I feel like I see people trapped in isolation and broken, like, and it's a hopeless place that I think it's because of the lostness that I feel the, the isolation is concerning. I mean, I just wanted to clarify, like, I I feel like that might be, of course the gospel reaching lost people is my concern. I was just voicing a particular. Yeah. It's, uh, golly, I'm I'm sitting here like feeling the weight of, You know, I'm reminded of the conversation we had with Philip and Beth, and uh, you know, we had we were talking about family discipleship, and you know, I just I just had I had the thought of like, golly, you know, we have this generation of youth who are leaving the church in 
sw- just hordes, you know, like, and, and, you know, my thought was, well, because they're not being discipled at home, you know, and you're mentioning, you know, the demise of, of the, you know, the nuclear family, which is, it's very true. Um, and it, and it's like, gosh, so much of this responsibility falls to us as parents. Mm-hmm. What kind of home are we creating? What, what, what are we fostering in our homes or not? Um, what kind of environment are we creating for our kids? Are we having conversations with them, you know, that need to be had? Are we spending time with them? And, and, and the answer by and large is no, because like you said, you, we, we're, we're now in a generation where both parents most of the time work. They're out of the home. So now kids have phones and that's how they connect or disconnect. Um, you know, and there's just not this sense of family and community and all those things that's not a value anymore, you know? And so it's just so, so crucial for us to, you know, do the hard work and create that environment in our homes where they're seeing and, and, you know, again, like praise God that you grew up in a family where you're able to sit here tonight and just mention multiple times, Hey, you know, what I saw my dad model is what's led me to who I am now. And, you know, like, unfortunately, that's just not the case a lot of times. And so um, we got to do better. Well, that reminds me of something that we kind of, I didn't totally know how to say earlier. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, what you're talking about, the dynamics within the home of, like, openness and communication thing. Yes, I think I grew up in a healthy household, but I do think we were talking before about some dynamics of between my dad and I that were challenging that I think being around Remedy, but also it, it didn't just like happen at Remedy. I did think it was God working within our family, like that during COVID, everyone was, you know, in a tight space and some of the butting heads of like just I I remember having a conversation with my dad that like him admitting that it had basically what I'm saying is our family did not always necessarily look like it even does now Mm -hmm. and it's not that much long later I do think we struggled with communication and we would all say this you could ask anyone in my family communication is something we're just not good at it was not we talked, but it was it was always like a boy when when it came time to communicate, it was like a crisis almost. Mm. Like it was just this tense, and particularly for me, I've asked my sisters if they feel this way, and they don't totally, not in the same way I do. But I growing up was in a tense. I don't know if it was just too a man and a young man, too similar people. I mean, I I just wrestled with for whatever reason, feeling like I could not have a just normal conversation with my dad. Like we took care of business when it came time to take care of business. And I knew he loved me and we would have conversations, although I just never felt very free Hmm. in how I just, I didn't necessarily go to dad for my, and I knew he longed for me too, because he would tell me how that was not the case really with his dad, that he Hmm. wanted that to change with me but I just, it just did not really happen. And I remember we had a kind of a culmination of tensions one time. And I was, I was telling y'all, like I was 18, like the, the time of, in my mind, the time of molding that relationship was over. It was solidified. Nothing was going to change now. Cause I remember him, he was asking our family what he was admitting that he, which is a big deal. I don't know that this was a huge thing for me as a young man to see my dad admit that he did, did not do everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. But he was asking for our feedback in that. And I remember telling him, like, I can't tell you what exactly, but I feel this tension anytime. I, like, I almost get angry whenever we need to like have a conversation. I'm just like, and I remember telling him like, I don't think I can. There's just, I'm 18, you know, this is, it is what it is. I guess this is going to be our relationship. 
and it was good. Like God, I think used, well, one, I used my dad's soft heart in that moment to, I think eventually soften that. And I don't know, I couldn't tell you exactly what happened in our relationship since then, but I definitely look at that as a pivotal shift. Maybe it was just seeing my dad admit fault. Sure. I don't I don't know That's if huge. that was yeah. it. Yeah, Cuz I think a big part of my attention with him was that in my mind he was never really logically wrong. Hmm. Like he, the logic of what he was saying was correct, so I couldn't really argue with that. But yeah, to hear him admit he wasn't perfect, that he hadn't done a perfect job raising us. And y'all were telling me that he had his perspective on that interaction was that that changed our relationship. And I, that was funny because I had never heard him say that, but that was always my, I always looked back. I've told other people about that day. Like, yeah, that was the day that our relationship changed from father, child struggles to you're my dad, but we're both men and we talk mm. about and man the past four years at college i can look at the things the conversations i have had with him have directly put me on it put me on the path to go to thailand for six weeks it put me on the path to be an intern at remedy recently i mean those are those kind of conversations with him are what put me in the places i am now yeah so that yeah i don't remember how we got there but that reminded me of that's good too. I mean, so we we do have Shelby's uh, approval to talk about this. He he, but he did. Uh, I did t- was texting with him earlier today about this, and yeah, he like you had said, you know that that was a very pivotal time in his life, you know, uh, just like yours. And uh, but I think that says a lot to a parent being vulnerable with their children and being honest and and putting putting themselves in a position. And then to receive some hard words from their their son, um, in this case, and uh, I think that says a lot. But then, like he, yeah, he said that this was huge for him—a turning point, recognizing areas that how he communicated with you, and um, and you know, not saying that it was horrendous. You know, like you said, there was all these wonderful things that he was doing prior to that, but this was an area that he did feel like that. God was working on him and still sanctifying him in an area, you know, and uh, yeah, even the great Shelby Hosiner, you know, wasn't, wasn't sanctified, you know, 20 years ago. I, I, it's hard for me to believe that actually, um, <laughs> but uh, I think that's, but it's a beautiful thing just to see, see uh, just that whole, whole story play out in your family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just a really really cool thing just going back to family discipleship like yeah. what we're talking about it speaks to humility the power of humility i think it speaks to the power of effective communication you know like healthy confrontation things like that so yeah that's great um i did i did want to share something with you that uh your mom shared with us if that's okay and it's it's interesting cuz you you actually brought this up from your perspective, how you would kind of look at her sort of devotional habits, I guess, and, and admire that. Um, and so I just, I, I wanted to read this. Um, this is, I'm quoting your mom. This She, she sent this to us. Um, she said, one thing that's always amazed me about Ethan and inspires me to this day is his love for God's word. I can't remember the exact age that this started occurring, but it was somewhere around 12 or 13 years old. He began studying the Bible and having consistent time in the Word every single day. Even at such a young age, he would write out Bible studies for himself. I remember straightening up his room when he was younger and seeing notebook after notebook filled with Scripture. His time with the Lord is paramount to him, and he is diligent and very disciplined in this area of his life. And so I just thought that was that was just a beautiful testimony from from your mom and it's so cool to see that that's not just one way, right? Like you you brought that up in this conversation that you looked to her and admired that about her and here she is 
um, just noticing these things about you. And that's just, you know, I just think that's, it's a beautiful testimony all around. So, yeah, that's amazing that she had said those things, um, about you, Ethan, but like, (laughs) it was like, you would say, you would put a significant part of that desires because that's what you observed in the home. You observed her doing that in the morning and, uh, obviously God's the one that put that desire in your heart, but you observed it in, in the family home and everything. And that's just a, yeah, that's a, that's another really just beautiful, cool thing to, to see there. Yeah. Again, I always like to take this chance to thank you for, you know, taking the time and being vulnerable and opening up and sharing your heart with us. So, um, before we completely wrap up, you know, the people want to know uh, a little bit more about <laughs> the li- the life, the lifestyles of Ethan Hosiner. So, and we have to, we have to edit this question, right? These are our semi rapid fire questions. Um, that haven't always been so rapid. No, they're usually <laughs> not. And uh, if you, if you uh, actually, um, this hasn't come out yet, but Beth, Johnson said, Hey, why don't you? Because we always ask, What are your top? Are you a movies, shows, or books person? And she said, I wish you guys would ask if people like podcasts because we would be like podcasts all the way. Yeah. So, are you a, a movie, a show, a book, or a podcast? Uh, I mean, I enjoy movies, obviously, sometimes, but as you can tell, there's no television. It's true in this apartment, but I do, I mean, I enjoy reading and podcasts for sure. Um, reading used to be, it's kind of weird because I'm always wondering when I get out of college, will Mm. I enjoy reading again? Because before college Mm. I did love reading, but now I don't do, (laughs) I do hardly any like personal reading. Yeah. Uh, you will. I, I, I was there and I've, I've been an avid reader my whole life until I got to college and I was like, I don't want to read anything. Yeah. But I, I yeah. Even on my breaks day. now, I'm like, yo, you know, I'm finally going to pull out that book and read on my break. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to enjoy just not reading today. That sounds nice. If so. you could, if you could name a, uh, one or a few influential or favorite books, could you do that? Or authors? Um. Well, yeah, I mean... J.I. Packer, I was introduced to him in college, mm-hmm. and just I was required to read a number of his books. But at some point, I remember being like, "Man, this this guy really speak." I don't know. He writes in a way that really connected with me. He has a book, "Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God," that was a big one. I've read it multiple times. Yeah, it's an it's an incredible like ninety six page book. Incredible, short, yeah. easy to read. I mean. And it just like to me, it's crazy because that to me almost solidified in my mind kind of what anyway, some real theological mm-hmm. tensions that we really struggle with in modern times. And yep. he's like, we're not called to figure this stuff out. We're just called to believe and obey. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of his, yeah, he's in several of his books. In fact, sitting over there on the thing is the holy, uh, I think it's the, well, it's one on holiness. I can't remember. I have it sitting out because I want to read it um, next. That's my hopefully next personal reading. Yeah. But knowing God, that's another good one that God. he wrote. Is that's uh, that's what that is. Almost like a not quite, but sort of systematic type, you know, approach. But yeah, yeah, really good. Um, do you have any hobbies? Well, this has changed recently. My hobbies have changed recently, but. No more, no more, uh, no more gigging be- and yeah, no roping more cattle. Trapping. <laughs> My mountain man days are put on hold for now until they make more sense. No, I enjoy, I still enjoy being outside. I, I think some of my hobbies for like doing these adventurous outdoor activities has shifted more to now. Like how can I go outside and like do something peaceful? Mm-hmm. There's lots of good stories like trapping beavers and sinking boats and doing that kind of stuff. But <laughs> Now I almost look for more peaceful. So I like hiking and, and seeking doing, boats, plurally. Uh, well, 
two boats that I have sunk and then revived. <laughs> they never, they didn't, I did not lay them to rest. They are still with us. <laughs> That's amazing. So hiking, um, okay. Well, that's sort of like one of our other questions. What's your idea of a relaxing time? Well, right now, there is nothing... I would probably answer this differently at a different point. Right now, the most relaxing, restful thing I can do is go to Arkansas with and be with my family for a week. Yeah. I feel like that's the only place that I'm like truly at peace because I have meals provided for a week. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to worry about food. And they live in a... A beautiful place i get to you know interact with my parents and get away from everyday life for a little bit that yeah there's nothing more peaceful for me than that right now yeah that's great do you have a dream vacation uh alaska okay i've always wanted to go i will i will go to alaska one day nice lord willing all right when you were a kid what did you want to be when you grew up You know, okay, I didn't have, like, the astronaut thing in this. I'm, like, hesitant to even say this, but I distinctly remember, I distinctly remember, like, one of the things when I was 13 writing about, and I I don't even like this terminology anymore, okay? I just want to say that. But (laughs) I remember writing, like, I don't know, but I just think I should be a preacher. That's what I think I should do. Hmm. And that makes me kind of feel weird saying that, but that was the only thing I can recall ever thinking I should do, even though at the time I was like, you know, it's funny. I would say that, but then I would also write directly beneath that, but I'm also terrified of being in front of people <laughs> or speaking mm-hmm. or any of that. So I don't know what to do. Well, you've done it. Yeah. And I'm still terrified of it every time, <laughs> yeah. every single time. Yep. Um, you have a favorite place to eat locally? Um, trying to think of, well, okay. It wouldn't be a, the true remedy classic breakfast at the country cafe. Okay. Have you been there? I have not. Oh man. You've been there many times. You need to take your co-host out here. Yeah. (laughs) The, maybe the smallest sitting space in Waxahachie. Oh, it is. But, and you share a table with some stranger who's not a stranger by the end of the meal. Usually, you know, Mm. it's good. So then there have been a many of uh, of discipleship, leadership conversations that I've had in that little cafe. Yeah. You have them with the person you're with and the stranger at the table? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is one thing that is funny about there is there's a lot of like, you're sitting there talking to the person, but like everyone in there could probably hear you if they mm. would tune in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Ethan, thank you for uh, opening up your home to us this evening. Yeah. And for us coming over here, and uh, yeah, man, I just, uh, I was just, you know, I know we kind of were summarizing a little bit of this earlier with what your folks were saying, and it's just, it's really cool because I've, I've known you since y'all came to Remedy, and uh, you served on the Sound Media team as a teenager when I was leading it, and then into uh, adulthood, and then, and now you're leading it, you know, and uh, you love it, you know, and uh, no, oh, you yeah. are faithfully leading it <laughs> uh, and uh, prayerfully looking for someone to, yes. to take it over, um, joyfully, as you said, too. Um, but yeah, I, th- I mean, like Chad said this too, but I've just been encouraged just by definitely you have a sense of uh, a maturity just for your age. And uh, I've always appreciated how you seek out older men. Um, you don't just go where, where the guys that are my age and you do hang out with friends. You've got buddies that you're, are your age and around your age and you hang out with, you know, all types of people, but you really value, uh, being around older people and spending time with people that are either five, 10, 20 years older than you or 50 years older than you. And I've seen that and I've observed that and that's really good. I think that's a continue doing that. Um, yeah. I mean, I love having you in our home each week for missional community while we gather and, um, just having conversations. I know we got to have some one-on-one time about a week ago and, 
and it was just really good. I was encouraged coming from that and everything. Um, but I was just, you know, I was thinking through just, uh, it was really cool to see the faithfulness of your family and seeking, uh, you know, at a pivotal moment in your life, seeking a church that was, you know, obviously a value community, but taught, taught the word. And that's something that end up being very important in you too, because, and then just the steps of the church as a whole, seeing like just, you know, the role that, like you mentioned with Brian and then some things Aaron had said to you over the years and then with EJ and just a lot of individuals with the church family. Um, so I, I might be kind of uh, answering the question I'm about to ask you, um, and I'm not trying to take that away, but uh, I just want to ask you though, what does Remedy Church uh, mean to you? Yeah, I've listened to y'all's other episodes and listening to other people describe it as family. Definitely, I would have a hard time. I remember listening to those other other episodes and thinking how I would answer that question because I think I would have a hard time answering it differently. Because mm-hmm. I don't know, it's it's functioned as even quite literally recently like as a sort of family base. I don't know. To me it's it's life-giving. You I've I've joked with people before that y'all are giving me life spiritually by loving me and having conversations and discipleship and I'm like sometimes you're literally giving me life like giving me a plate of food at your house. I mean there's that's it's a big deal. I I especially the past half a year year I've just seen Remedy, I don't know, invest in me, open their arms wide to me in a number of different ways. Like, it just makes me think, like, man, would I, if I was in their position, invite, like, the Johnsons having me over every Thursday night, like, an open invitation. Mm. And, like, if I don't show up, they're like, what are you, what are you doing? You're you're, <laughs> you know, that's that's a big deal. I don't know. And just even the leadership things that I probably wouldn't, like I'm definitely not going to ask for or probably I would probably just gladly sit in silence on some opportunities that people have Brian and Aaron have been like hey what do you think about this do try this you know and walking with me through those things I just I'm always looking at like nobody has to do this nobody's obligated to give me an opportunity to teach and then not only that walk with me before and after like Aaron doing that I've always said like you didn't have to do that you didn't have to give me the opportunity much less have conversations around it and encourage me really well especially when I didn't feel very encouraged and I don't know that investment has been a really big deal and yeah, I, I would concur with probably, has anyone said anything? I mean, I feel like a few people have worded it slightly different than family, but I feel like most people have said, have said that to this yeah, point. Yeah, I think so. We'll have to make a compilation. Yeah, I would like to hear if anyone, because <laughs> even the people family. that maybe yeah. would have described it differently, they're probably yeah. still And it's always that. usually very like, it's most people are just don't even have to think about it. They're like, it's family. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So yeah, that's my answer. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, I I always come to this point uh, in these conversations and just feel full of joy and and you know grateful that we've had this chance to sit down and talk and um, it's no different tonight. So thank you again for having us and being willing to to talk and share. And I know that you know everybody that listens is gonna feel the same way. So we're we're thankful, grateful, and I feel like honored to be able to be in your life and to continue to see, you know, even, even after, you know, your family has moved off and, and we're glad to see, and we get to see them from time to time too, and super Mm -hmm. grateful for that. Yeah. But just to see the continued work of God in your life and to see your faithfulness to our church body, um, is a, is a really awesome thing. So thanks. Yeah, thank you all for, I told you all this before, but like the podcast to me has been a real encouragement just personally. Like I know 
most of these stories, but to hear them told, I mean, it's kind of like getting to hear conversations like this that we maybe get to have every so often on my way to school or like I still feel that encouragement that I would get if I had gone and maybe had coffee at someone's house and heard yeah. some of those stories. I'm kind of getting to, I don't know. It's, and the ones I don't know, because there are people that I don't know that I've been super encouraged by. But so thank you all for, for doing this. Absolutely. It's been, uh, it's been really cool and we'll continue to do it. And I know Andrew Cody that I will see you on the next one. I'll see you there, Chad. All right. Where's the music? I thought, Chad, you don't play the music live. (laughs) Thanks everyone for listening to this week's episode of Remedy Stories. We hope that you are encouraged and renewed by these conversations. Be sure to join us each week as we experience God's goodness through stories from the local church.